Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Optive Theology Podcast. My name is Andy Schmidt. I'm here with Pastor Tom Flaherty. Pastor Tom has been on this podcast before. We've talked about, you, you've debated Nick on hell. We've talked about, uh, I think, free will and predestination a couple of years yeah. ago. Have we done anything on the Holy Spirit? I feel like we have. We did one on charismatics. The, what is, yeah, charismatics. Charismatic movement, charismatic belief. Yeah. Yep. And so... So you've been on here a couple of times. People should know who you are. But for those people who are maybe new listeners, do you want to just kind of give them a brief overview as to who you are before we get into this one? Uh, I'm the lead pastor at City Church, um, married to my wife, Alice. We have four adult kids, um, been in ministry for 40 years. Yeah. Um, Lover of Jesus. Yeah, there you go. Friend of Andy's. Yeah, 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 right. <laughs> so this is going to be like an extension for people who don't know, an extension of uh, sometimes on um, Friday mornings, Tom and I will go to Denny's and we'll just talk about, uh, you know, whatever's going on in my life and whether that's theology stuff or just practical things. And um, one of the, and so this morning we went to Denny's and now we came to the church to do this podcast. So it's just an extension. People were just inviting people into the conversation that we've already been having. Um, and over the last couple of years, you and I have been talking a lot about, about uh, intimacy with Christ, this idea of becoming intimate with Christ. I know a lot of people, maybe younger people or anybody who hears the word intimacy, there's probably a bunch of things that flood into their head as to what that means. And so we're going to, in this podcast, break down what does it mean to be intimate with Christ? What does that literally mean? And then and then like, how can we actually do that? How can we engage in that and do it um, as Christians? Is it necessary? Is it important? Those types of questions. But this is, Tom, would you say this has kind of been like the, uh, like kind of the crux of your ministry, like your, your uh, kind of the main point of what you've been trying to do over the last couple of years is trying to get people to be intimate with Christ? This is my main message. Um, if I'm going to a brand new place and I only get to speak once, it will always be on one thing. Uh, the one thing, which is intimacy with God. I, uh, I wrote a devotional it, over 12 years. I, I would send out a weekly email to anybody that wanted to be in, usually people in my church that just, just a, a devotional, but always around this theme of intimacy with God. And in, in 2020, I put them together because after 12 years of sending it out every week, I had well over 365 and I, I put it together and the devotional is called One Thing, um, Daily Devotions to Inspire Intimacy with God. So this is definitely my main calling. Yeah. yeah and I think it's been, I think it's, it's been helpful for me to hear about it. I think there's kind of, I think, a couple different people who are approaching maybe a conversation about intimacy with intimacy with God. You have maybe the people who came like, for me, who came from ultra conservative, reformed churches, grew up in kind of a maybe even sometimes stale Christian church that was very much focused on doing the right thing. And that there's always, there's good, good there's some good to that, but there wasn't a lot of talk of the Holy Spirit. There wasn't a lot of talk of feelings, of affections, of intimacy. And then maybe you have the other side of people who are maybe the more charismatic people who are like, they're coming from this. They kind of understand the whole intimacy and affections and stuff like that. They're very emotional, but then sometimes they get caught up in maybe um, experientialism where everything's about this big experience. So, so let's just start with, with this, kind of a basic question, but what exactly are you talking about when you talk about intimacy with Christ? Let's just open it up there, see where it goes. So first, I just want to validate that oftentimes, we did this on the charismatic one, that that oftentimes people become prejudiced against any charismatic type experience because of abuses in the charismatic movement of God told me everything's God told me and used to manipulate, used to get offerings, used to, you know, I had an, an experience, I had an angel appear to me, I had whatever and used in a very unhealthy way or people that were used quote unquote powerfully in the anointing. And then it finds out they had an affair or they, 
they did this corrupt thing. And so a lot of times the charismatic movement is its own worst enemy. And, uh, and so I just acknowledge that I have no defensiveness about it. You know, people are like, you know, we don't believe in charismatics. I'm like, yeah. And I get it. I get it. We're the reason why you don't. (laughs) (laughs) Right. But at the end of the day, this is, and I get that too, but I think it for people listening, it's like at the end of the day, this is, we call this the optive theology podcast. We're doing theology, which Mm -hmm. is the study of God. And we're not doing like the study of charismatics or the study of hyper-reformed conservatives. We're trying to figure out what does the Bible say? And I think a lot of ultra conservative people have like pigeonholed this weak theology of getting rid of the Holy Spirit, getting rid of some of these things because they feel an emotional reaction to the charismatics. And I was, I, I'm just saying, from my perspective, I'm trying to figure out what the Bible's saying. Like, what does the Bible tell tell me about Jesus and about the Holy Spirit? And that's what I'm going to do. And I, if I care too much about what the charismatics did or what the conservative Christian people did, then it's like, you're not, I don't think you're searching after Jesus at that point. You're trying to search after right. what you're comfortable with or uncomfortable right. with, right. you know? So fellowship with the Holy Spirit, intimacy with God is the center of everything. It's the center of the beauty of Christ being revealed. And it's the center of his ministry or his power being revealed. Everything comes back to intimacy with God. And it's like, well, we're about Jesus, not the Holy Spirit. Listen, (laughs) Jesus said, I'm sending you a helper. He is going to live inside of you. I will speak to him and he will speak to you. (laughs) So when the Holy Spirit speaks to you, is it the Holy Spirit or is it Jesus? It's both. It's both. He, the Holy Spirit's a person. He listens. He hears. Whatever he hears, he speaks. He is Jesus's representative in this world. He lives inside of believers. Cultivating that relationship, Jesus said he is not going to speak about himself. He's going to glorify me. He's going to take of what is mine and he's going to show it to you. And so it's all about revealing the glory and the beauty of who Jesus is and, and, and his power and um, frankly, this is what I signed up for. I signed up for um, what I read in the Gospels, what I read in the book of Acts. This is a church that is very alive. It's powerful, it's beautiful, and it changes the world. It can't help but change the world because of the God that is in them, that is working through them. And so this is this is the quest for intimacy with God. I think the first thing that we should start with is, is that word intimacy. Cause I bet you people are kind of like, I mean, the first thing that I thought of when you told me a couple years ago, to like be intimate with God, I was like, okay, intimacy just means sex. Like that was the first thing that came into my head. And I'm like, this is weird that you're telling me to be intimate with God. And me, it feels like intimacy is always equated with sex. So what exact, so let's just break down that word. What exactly do you mean uh, when you say, intimacy, and then we can kind of expand from there. Sure. Um, So the word in the Old Testament is yada. Um, Those who know their God will do exploits. Um, Be still and know that I'm God, yada. And Adam knew, knew his wife and Cain was born. What is the word? Yada. It is the word for intimacy. It's not know about, it's know by experience. It's know by touch. It's know by closeness. It's, it's the new Testament word is genosco that, that it is, it is more than know about. It is to know intimately. It is the word used for sex that, that, that Joseph had not yet known his wife. And it's the word genosco. It's the same word that Jesus says, this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom you've sent. It is the word genosco. Depart from me. I never knew you, genosco. (laughs) It is, uh, you might've known about me. You might've, you might've met me, but you never went on to know me in an intimate way. This is 
the center of why Jesus died is not that we would just be forgiven of our sins and go to heaven one day, but that we would know him, that we would be with him. Father, that they might be one, even as you and I are one. May they be one in us. And then just this, this knowing, this intimate knowing of one another. This is all about experiential knowing and not just having head knowledge, book knowledge, not just willpower, but being connected to God. Intimacy with God, Philippians 2.13, it is God at work within you, both to will, which means desire, and to do of his good pleasure. This, this is about union with God. In, in 1914, the guy goes to get the, the Model T. And uh, now the Model T, is, the, the, the automobile is available to all people. And so he goes to the Model T dealership and, uh, and he's impressed. He sees the leather and he gets behind the wheel and feels that steering wheel in his hand. And he, he, he rubs the chrome on the outside, kicks the tires. And he says, uh, yeah, I need one of these. Pays the money. And then he begins to hook it up to his horse. And the, and the Model T dealer's like, sir, you don't, you, don't, you don't grasp what this is. The Model T comes with its own engine. Christianity comes with its own engine. A lot of, a lot of the Christian world is hooking up Christianity to human willpower and dragging it around. And it's really, it's really burdensome and really difficult and really hard. In this place of intimacy with God, and if, when you focus on intimacy with God and make that the main passion of your life, Christianity, it, the main work of a Christian is just getting gas in the car. And then living out of that relationship, you, you, Jesus said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And so this is the one necessary thing in Christianity. If you get this, Everything else will flow out of this. So it's not, well, that's interesting because I'm now thinking about um, all of the, there's so many passages that talk about knowing God or, you know, like you're saying somebody, you know, whoever it is in the Bible knew their wife or they know God and they're, they're all kind of saying something similarly. So there is, there is an aspect to it, which, which is like, like connected to marital in, intimacy is a, is a sexual passion. And there, so there's an aspect to that, but there's also, an, there's a deeper thing. And I think in our culture, in our society, because um, I think a lot of, I'm, the reason why I'm sticking on the sex thing is not because I'm like a weirdo or something for people listening is because I think people of our culture have detached uh, the act of sex from the, from the, the intimacy, the the knowing part of sex, sex, a lot of young people. So I think for them, that will be still a little bit confusing to try to grasp the concept that you're trying to make. Do you, I, do you, you know, do you know what I'm saying? Like, because we, yeah, yeah. well, let's use the marriage passage. Yeah, let's do it. Let's use Ephesians 5, 31 and 32. Yeah. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife and the two will become one flesh. Okay. So the joining is not sex. The joining is this commitment that you make to no one else, leaving all others. You're committed only to them. It is, it is that joining through commitment. The two becoming one flesh is the celebration of that intimacy. So Paul says, after he's done saying the, the traditional marriage passage, he said, this is a great mystery, but I'm speaking about Christ and the church. So think about sex. God, you could have saved the human race so much trouble if there wasn't sex. You could have saved, if there was enough, if storks could bring babies. Think about all of the abuse, all of the trouble that has come about because of immorality, the slave trafficking, the, the, the abortions, the, I mean, the mass that our world has because God made sex. So why did he make it? Why would he make sex fun? Why would he put this little, make our bodies such that we would enjoy this union? It's because of what it pictures. 
Christianity is not your experience with God and your encounter and you feeling the Holy Spirit and you worshiping and and enjoying God's presence. That's not the center. The center is Jesus made a commitment to you. He left heaven and he he gave everything for you. And our saying yes to his proposal is when we leave everything for him. And that is will. That is devotion. That is, I am yours. I leave every other lover for you. But God wanted marriage to be more than your duty. He wanted it to be a delight. So he put this little secret delight in marriage that would only be shared between that couple that, that they would, they would have where they would have this delight. Now is marriage more than sex? Absolutely. <laughs> sex without that commitment is going to lead to a, 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 actually a breakdown of any intimacy. But he wanted there, he knows how hard marriage is. And he wanted this strengthener inside of marriage, this delight where you are not just um, committed to each other, you delight in each other. So he wanted the same thing in our relationship with him. Christianity is really hard. You might have to die for Christ. You, you're going to have to say no to a lot of stuff. But he wanted us. He wanted it to also be our delight and our greatest joy. Yeah, you, yeah that's, I mean, like you use the words like delight. And I think of, um, and I think I've talked about this podcast before. I've, re I've been reading through J.I. Packer's books, and he talks a lot about affections, turning your affections towards Christ. Um, and the difficult thing about conversations like about intimacy, delight, affections is that it's 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 not as tangible as just following a rule. Like if you just if you just read your Bible, you'll just have the delight for God. Like that's not true. Like we, I mean, I've been in situations where I, you know, you read your Bible for weeks on end, and then you're like, but wait, I'm not this isn't doing anything to me. You know, you get kind of caught up in the routine of it. And so um, the difficulty of these types of conversations that we're having is that in a way, the, the delight in the um, affections and the intimacy, that's all, it's all like happening in your heart in a way that it's, it's difficult to, to even describe. Do you know what I'm saying? That it's not, um, it it's not the duty, like the, the, it's not, uh, gosh, I'm trying to put it together in my head as, as we're talking. It feels abstract, but I don't want to call it abstract because it's it's as personal as it gets. But it feels abstract because there's not like a, hey, if you just do the X, Y, and Z, then you'll be intimate with God, with Christ, right? You know, so like how do people think about intimacy as a, um, can they think about it as a practice or how are they supposed to think about it? So these are, these are just great, great questions. So... Here's where my main message came from. Luke 10, 38 through 42. So Jesus comes to the home of Martha and Mary and uh, Martha opens the door and lets him in. And Mary, it says, is sitting at the Lord's feet, listening to his word. And Martha, it says, is distracted by her serving. And she says, Lord, don't you care that Mary has left me to do all of the serving alone? Tell her to help me. And Jesus says this back to her. Martha, 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 Martha. You are distracted by many things. But only one thing is necessary. And Mary has chosen the good part, and it will not be taken from her. Okay? So, what, what is Jesus talking about here? When he says, one thing is necessary. He is alluded, this is an allusion to the Old Testament. This is an allusion to Psalm 27, 4, when David said, one thing I desire, and that will I seek after, that I might dwell in the presence of the Lord, that I might behold the beauty of the Lord, that I might meditate on his precepts. Mary is, Jesus is in the house. Mary is positioned herself at his 
feet. She is beholding him. She is listening to his word. Martha, like many, many of us, has invited Jesus into the house. Jesus is in the house. She actually knows he's speaking, but she is so busy doing her stuff <laughs> that she's, she's, she's distracted from the main event. Jesus said, listen, if you will choose the main event, I, it is the only thing that's necessary. All of the stuff that has to be done all because we live in a very practical world and stuff has to be done. And this, you know, somebody's got to change the diaper. Somebody's got to make the meal. Somebody's got to do that. Jesus says, if you'll do this one thing, you'll position your life at my feet. You will make this the priority. I will, I will direct you. And, and, and you listening is more than just hearing. Listening is obeying listening listening is i'm going to take my instructions from god this this is the one thing if you do that one thing if you choose the one, and this is the this is what i love about it if you choose the one thing and you say i'm going to choose like mary did i'm going to choose like david the one thing jesus says i'm going to make sure that it's not taken from her i will you chose it in human weakness I am going to guard it with divine power. I will always bring you back to this. And this is what has happened in my life, Andy. I, I've been in ministry for a long, long time. I've seen a lot. I've raised four kids. Um, and I chose the one thing early and I've had to rechoose it many times. There's nothing our hearts are prone to do more than wander. The idea of being distracted, oh my, human beings are distracted all the time and often and frequently and by many, many different things. But if you sincerely choose the one thing, Jesus will protect it. He'll bring you back to it. He'll bring you back to this is, this is what you're, you're about. A lot, uh, here's where we, where it's a little difficult for evangelical Christians. We live in a culture where we, we think about dreams as something you're going to do. And so we bring that over into our Christianity and we're going to do great things for God. We're going to, we're going to evangelize. We're going to feed the poor. We're going to change the world. We're going to make disciples. We're going to, we're going to do these things and they're all really, really good things, but but you can't make them your dream. Those are your assignment. Those are not your dream. The dream has to be our relationship with God. That has to be the main event. If that is the main event, then your assignment is something that you do with him, not for him. No, oh, well, oh, I was going to say that, that, that you gave a real good uh, illustration this morning while we were talking about... Um, about a horse. And so do you want to give that illustration? I feel like that was a really good illustration. Sure, that sure. was helpful for me as you were explaining kind of what you're going into right now about the, um, about the, well, you want to, you want to give that illustration and we can like break it down. Cause as you were talking, I just thought of that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so we were, we went out to this horse farm with our missionaries, my wife and I did, and it was a day of learning spiritual truth through horses. And this whole ministry is around horses. Horses are incapable of lying. They just, they, they, they just do the real thing. You can learn a lot from them. And so, so the lady that was guiding this thing, she had, she had a huge arena that she housed the horses in, but she had a little, a small pen that she had set up inside the arena. And we are all gathered around this pen and she has got a, a, a lapel mic on so that she can, she can speak without raising her voice so that everybody can hear. And she says, I'm going to let a horse into this pen that doesn't know me. And your guys's job is just be quiet and just, just watch and see what God might teach you through this. So 
So the horse comes in and the, and, and she's talking to that horse right when it gets in, she's looking at it and she's talking very calmly, very tenderly. And the horse is just resenting this pen. The horse is going crazy. It starts running one direction, running the other direction. She's got a guiding stick and wherever she tries to guide the horse, the horse goes in the opposite direction. And it's just angry and mad. And once in a while it would rush her and snort and go right past. I, I literally was afraid for her, but she was, she had no fear. She just kept talking, kept, kept talking, kept guiding. And, and then all of a sudden it was amazing. The horse goes from being a hundred percent agitated and it just like, it's, it's like it just surrenders. It stops, it bows its head, it goes into the middle and she starts patting its mane. And she says, now watch this. She says, I'm going to keep talking and I'm going to start walking and this horse will follow me everywhere I go. And so she starts walking and the horse, sure enough, with head down, follows her everywhere. And so that was kind of our little experiment. And so she's, she says, now observations that you guys had. And so different people are sharing different things about God and us about this. And here's what the big one for people probably like was like giving yourself up and surrendering and bowing to, you know, and, then, and that God loves us so much that he doesn't force us and he waits for us to, you know, are you going to really, are you going to keep trying it that way? All right, go ahead. He kind of waits for us to get tired enough to, to surrender. And that, and, uh, but here's what, here's what occurred to me. The pen is artificial. It was created by her for the purpose of relationship. That really God has set up our circumstances like that pen. They're very artificial. It's kind of like the wind and the waves blowing on Peter. And we know it's artificial because as soon as Peter gets back in the boat, the wind and the waves stop. So this was all created as a test. <laughs> it's all to test Peter that circumstances are artificial. It's about relationships. So God pens you in and you've got this going and this going and this going and this going and you're running this way and that way. And it turns out that it's all about this surrender that we're going to make to him, this, this, this letting go and trusting him and learning to follow him. But, but it's beyond that, bro. What, what I, th what I thought is, oh my, it's not just that that pen was artificial. The whole arena is artificial. It's all man-made and it's all about this relationship between the person and the, their horse that the end game is her being able to ride that horse out of the pen out into the forest, out into the, out into the beauty, out, wherever, wherever she wants to go with that horse. And that, that, that God's end game for the human race is union with him. It's all about that. It's all about union with him. This whole world is like the arena. We are in a time of testing. We are in a time of darkness. And, but God's got this. God's got everything. God is over everything. What is he looking for? He's looking for relationship yeah, because he wants to ride with us. And you, and obviously like the artificial, the artificial barriers are not necessarily, you're not saying those aren't difficult things or those aren't hard things that people are going through, but those aren't the, the main, uh, the main event. They That's, aren't the main yeah, event. And, yeah. and the obstacle isn't in your way. Yeah. The right. obstacle is the way. Right. It's right. the way to intimacy. It's the yeah. God wants to use that obstacle yeah. to bring you into a closer relationship. He wants to yeah. teach you about who he is, who you are, who you are in him. Yeah. He wants to get you stop looking at everybody else mm -hmm. and everything you don't like. Mm -hmm. And 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 he's he he wants this intimacy. Mm -hmm. We spend so much time looking around. Mm. I think of Peter. I mean, Peter's the top guy. Yeah. He, he's the, he's, he's the big guy. And, but he's, he's always, he's always looking around. And even when Jesus has this restoration encounter where he calls, he recalls him three times, feed my sheep, shepherd my lambs, tend my flock. And then he, he says to him, you're going to, you're going to end up dying for me. He gives this 
explanation that you're you're going to you're going to have this agape love for me you're going to give your life for me and here's peter's reaction what about him talking about john yeah what about him what's going to happen with him and here's what jesus says to peter but he's not just saying it to peter he's saying it to me he's saying it to you he's saying it to every christian Hmm. whether he lives or dies what's that to you Hmm. you follow me you are not his judge. You are not his savior. Mm. He, he, he's not your competitor. I just thought of this the interesting. <laughs> the, the like, the funny thing about that is that like John is the one disciple that like doesn't share the same fate. Like the rest of them get killed right. and John doesn't. And that's just, I just thought of that right now as you were saying that, that he's trying to figure out what's going to happen with John and just the irony. And is it like, yeah, actually, something different does happen with John, but well, it doesn't matter. It's well, not... and, it, and it's interesting, the difference between Peter and John, because Peter is about his own love for Jesus. Lord, I love you. I love you more than all the rest. I'll die for you. <laughs> da, 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 yeah. da. And of course, he has the betrayals and he, he's just yeah. kind of up and down. L- listen to John's identity. Mm-hmm. This is in the book of John, probably three, three or four, maybe even five. The times. gospel or the, the gospel. Okay. He defines himself as the disciple that Jesus loved. Yeah. He doesn't define himself by his love for Jesus, but by Jesus's love for him. Mm -hmm. Now, this is the love. That's the perfect love that casts out all fear. Mm -hmm. This is the love Mm -hmm. that I don't have to compete for. Mm -hmm. I'm just loved. Yeah. Notice John. He is the top apostle. (laughs) When he writes the book of John, he's the only apostle that's still alive. I mean, he is yeah. the top spiritual guy. He's the top prophet. He writes the re- mm. book of Revelation. He yeah. doesn't call himself a prophet. He doesn't call himself an apostle. Mm. He just calls him the one whom Jesus loves. Yeah. This is our primary identity. And this, honestly, it's the only safe identity. Yeah. Is not defining ourselves by our devotion, yeah. but by his love mm. for us and that our life is a response. Mm-hmm. Now, this is this is really hard yeah. for Americans to grasp because we want to do something. Give me something to do. Mm-hmm. And here's your highest thing to do for God. Goes back to why you were created. Mm-hmm. You were created so God would have somebody to love. Mm-hmm. It's the nature of love. Mm-hmm. Love wants to give itself away. So God wanted to share his love. God wanted to share his love. Mm -hmm. So he created you so that he would have somebody to love. So our, our top job is not loving God. It is letting God love us. Mm -hmm. And then everything else is, is as God loves us. Now we love him. We love each other. Everything is a response to us living as the beloved. We are the beloved. This is very difficult for us because we want to be defined by what we do yeah. instead of who we are. Yeah. Mm. And, and this, this is, this is what John says. This is love. Not that we love God, but that he first loved us. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's, it's so, it is difficult to think about that. And I think it, I think part of the difficulty in it, um, that I've noticed growing up in the church, in the evangelical church, is that there's a lot of talk about this relationship with God. And I think, um, and I think it comes from like, maybe I think, you know, over the past 25 years or whatever, like the big thing in the evangelical church was you, you have a relationship with God, that you need to have a relationship with God, that you need to pray to get saved and have a relationship with God. And I, you know, you go to like youth group conferences and stuff, and then you do that 50 times. You know, when I was growing up, I got saved like, you know, 50 times, you know, that's kind of the joke. And then um, the, the thing that I think about though, I think the thing that I missed in all of it, and I think a lot of young people miss is that in the, in what they're being told from the pulpit, oftentimes to have this relationship with God, it's, it's more of, it feels more like a friendship rather, which is a, it is a friendship. Don't get me wrong, but it feels primarily, primarily like he's your friend rather than he's your Lord. And so I'm wondering, how do you, how do you, uh, like people of my age have a difficult time with intimacy because friendship and relationship is, is, um, 
it's kind of like, you know, if you don't agree with me, we just don't need to be friends anymore. Right. But in Christianity, as we surrender our lives to Christ, as we choose to follow Christ, we choose to be obedient to him. And that's because he's our Lord, not because he's our friend. He's our friend in which he loves us and walks beside us, but he's our Lord in which we follow him and obey his commands. How do you reconcile all that as a Christian, as a young Christian who's heard their whole life, have this relationship with God and you're like, I'm trying to, but I don't, I feel like there's something missing. Um, Do you know what I'm saying? So the number one temptation for us as human beings is to make God in our image. Yeah. So we've got an idea of what it would be like to have a relationship and what we would want a friend to be or what we'd like a lover to be. And so, you know, God is that to me. God just fills that. And this is why it, Mary's at his feet, listening to his word, listening to his self revelation. Mm -hmm. This is not about me making up a God that I would like, or Mm -hmm. that would the way I want him to be Mm -hmm. a lot of who Jesus is, is startling (laughs) to us. And Mm -hmm. we have to be very committed to Jesus as he is Mm -hmm. not as who we wish he was. And this is why. Um, you talk about practical. Yeah. So yeah. I, I read the one year Bible. I've read the one year Bible through every year for the last at least 35 years. Wow. I think my first few years, I don't even know if there was, they had printed the one year Bible, but, <laughs> and I know it doesn't work for some personalities, some personalities like yeah. that is too, like I have to do something different this year than I did last year. And I get that. Everybody's That's just not like where me. you read like, like like four chapters a day or whatever it is, or how, how does that work? So it's, it, they, they set them up yeah. so that you read through the old Testament once in the year, you read through the new Testament once in a year, but it's a little old Testament, little new Testament. Yeah. And then Psalms and Proverbs, you will read through Psalms and Proverbs twice in a year. Yeah. So every day you just read whatever day it is. You yeah. read the old Testament, your new Testament, Psalms, huh. Proverbs. And, and then, um, I always have my, notebook. Yeah. I also have devotionals. I love devotionals. I use different devotionals, different times. The one I do every year is mm-hmm. my utmost first highest Oswald Chambers because it is, it's timeless. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and I, I am unashamedly wanting to experience God. Mm-hmm. I am not there for study. I'm not there to prepare my sermon mm-hmm. for next week. I am there just to, to meet with him. But it's very much like a friendship. I make a cup of coffee. Mm-hmm. I've got a spot where I meet with him every day. Mm-hmm. Um, I have all the lights off except for my little reading light. And it, I have a blanket over me. I'm in my pajamas still. Mm-hmm. And we just, we're just together. Mm-hmm. But I, I want him for who he is, not... Mm-hmm. I want him to break down deception in my heart. I want to mm. stop believing lies yeah. about who he is or who I am in yeah. him. And um, to me, Andy, this is what the blood of Jesus won for us. Yeah, The blood of Jesus didn't just win forgiveness in heaven. Mm. It, it won intimacy. The, the, the veil is torn. So we draw near with confidence. Coming near to Jesus with Mm. confidence, coming into the presence of God with confidence is not presumption. Mm. It's faith that his blood was enough, Mm. that I am not, my identity is not my latest sin or the failure that I had in the past or Mm. what I, what I don't feel good about myself. My identity is in his presence. Mm. This is my home Mm. and I can draw Mm. near. He is the fire. Yeah. Of my Christianity, my, my devotion, my quiet time is me simply tending the fire. Mm. He's, he's the fire. He's, he's the one that lights the fire. God is a fire. When, when this is all about our fire and our passion and our enthusiasm and our commitment, Mm. um, that's, that's going to run very low and it's going to, Mm -hmm. it's going to break down and you're going to end up with a Christianity that is very much like Peter's (laughs) where you're all in and you're going to do everything for God. (laughs) You're going to change the whole world. And then you deny him three times to a little servant girl. Yeah. It's just what it's going to look like. Right. And God still loves you. Right. And God works with Peter Mm -hmm. and he works with us, but he, he wants to bring us Mm -hmm. into that place Mm -hmm. of, of intimacy. 
So I can imagine there's some people listening who just just straight up feel uncomfortable about this. <laughs> just emotionally uncomfortable. Uh, what do you like? What do you do? I guess. Um, so there's two groups. I mean, there's probably more than two groups. So I'm thinking of two groups in my head right now. It's a group right now that's like, okay, I, I think what Tom's saying is correct, but I just feel uncomfortable about it. It feels weird. And then there's another group that's like, I agree and I want that, but I don't know how to get it. Okay. So can we can we go at both of those? Let's groups? go. Let's go to both groups. Yeah. Let's okay. Do okay. So to the one group, of course, they want to. Is this in the Bible? Yeah. What, what right. is this even biblical? Yeah. Like, right. we've got our doctrine, we've got mm. our disciplines. We're yeah. trying to do the Great Commission. Why intimacy? Why is this even that important? Mm -hmm. Okay. So let's do Bible. Okay. okay? Mm -hmm. So here's the church in America. Uh, Revelation chapter three, the church at Laodicea. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um. You guys, you've got your songs, you've got your meetings, you've got your disciplines, but you have become lukewarm in your heart. Mm. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah. I, I see what you're saying in your heart. You are saying in your heart, I need nothing. Yeah. Right. I need nothing. And here's, the, here's what's very interesting about God. He's not impressed with our songs or what we say. We, we know how to say the right thing. We know to say the humble thing and sing mm -hmm. the humble thing and sing about we want you. But God, God mm -hmm. sees our hearts. It's all, Even do, it, it's right? all open yeah. to him. Right. And he's like, you guys in your heart don't need me. Yeah. <laughs> You've got your own things. And here's what's going on right now. Right. I'm standing at the door knocking. Mm -hmm. And I died for everything you need. I've got fire. That would make you like gold. Mm -hmm. I've got eyes so that you could see what I'm seeing. I've got garments of white to take away the shame that's on your identity. I, I've got intimacy that yeah. you are looking for. I want to sup with you. I want to be at the table with you. Mm -hmm. Open up the door. Yeah. And be zealous and and repent. Right. We oftentimes are the church's hardest. You have a reputation that you're alive. Mm -hmm. You tell yourself you're alive. You've got songs that say you're alive. Mm -hmm. But your dad, wake up. Mm -hmm. This is not about all of your activity or all of your study. This mm -hmm. is about hearts that are alive and are awake in me. And I see the heart and I need you. I need you to be awake. It's the, it's the Pharisees. I mean, that's like literally what they were. I mean, they did all the rituals. They did all the stuff. Yeah. They followed the commands. They kept the law and they literally couldn't see Jesus was standing right in front of their face and, uh, yep, and calling and, them into it. And he, they were just like, they wanted to kill him. I mean, and, like that right. was. And, and, and so, so nobody wants to be called the Pharisees. So let's not call them the Pharisees. Okay, let's, yeah. let's, let's right. call them the, the church at Ephesus. Okay. Oh. Jesus says, mm -hmm. I know your deeds. So he knows intimately everything about us. Mm -hmm. And I know that you're persevering. And I know that you got really good doctrine. You've tested those who say they're apostles and they're not. Good job. Mm -hmm. I know your hard work. You're doing more than you were doing at the beginning. Mm -hmm. I only have one thing against you. Mm -hmm. You've left your first love. Repent mm -hmm. or I'm going to remove your candlestick. I'm going to remove your yeah, influence man. as a church. You are really good workers for me, mm -hmm. but I didn't die for workers. I died for lovers. Mm -hmm. I miss the way you used to do your stuff. <laughs> you, you're doing a lot right now, but you're not doing it in the same way you used to. You used to, you used to not notice your sacrifice. You used to be so in love with me that there was nothing you wouldn't do and you counted it a privilege. And that love is gone. That delight is gone. And I want that renewed. Now, here's the cool thing, Andy. Mm -hmm. That church at Ephesus, church at Sardis, church at Laodicea, you and I can't produce the fire. We can't make ourselves be more in love with Jesus mm -hmm. by choosing it. Yeah. All we can do is put our dead, cold, dry hearts before him yeah. and say, God, you want this to be a fire. Would you make it a fire? Mm -hmm. I need more of your love. Yeah. Would you encounter me more? Holy Spirit, would you come? Andy, there's no prayer. He wants to hear more. He says, just open the door mm -hmm. and acknowledge your need for this. Mm -hmm. You need more than just meetings and doctrines mm -hmm. and disciplines. You, you, you need something mm -hmm. that only I can give you. Mm -hmm. And so do your discipline. My, oh my, I, there's no one more disciplined for their quiet time than me. But, yeah. but here's what happens. 
when you get to delight, discipline disappears. Yeah, yeah. Real quick, this isn't an anti-discipline. You're not. No, you're not anti-discipline. No. Discipline yeah. disappears when you get to yeah. delight. Well, for instance, right? No one says to a teenage boy, "How how do you eat three meals a day? How are you so disciplined? How do you even remember to eat three meals a day?" Mm-hmm. He's like, "Are you insane? <laughs> Eating is my joy." Yeah, right. And and when God touches our spiritual taste buds and gets delight. You get, you get to delight. It's not about your, how long you do it and you pray through the list. It's about, this is just the highlight of every day. Yeah. And it doesn't matter whether I'm in India or in Honduras or in my basement or whatever I am. Mm -hmm. I mean, this life, there's lots of stuff I enjoy, but Mm -hmm. nothing beats intimacy with God. Nothing Mm -hmm. beats him. Mm -hmm. I I like preaching. I like Mm -hmm. doing ministry. I, I, but I know that the ministry itself is easily a deception Yeah. because there's not joy in ministry. There's joy in Jesus. Yeah. If I do ministry with Jesus, it's fun. Yeah. If I do ministry with just my gifting and my anointing and my calling and, but I'm far from him, ministry is really, really hard and discouraging and Mm -hmm. depressing and, and all of the above. But if you got that intimate fire going, Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter whether you're doing dishes or preaching. Well, what I found that's interesting too about that, what you just said is that the intimate, uh, so that I think a lot of young people, they become Christians. Like I remember like whatever, four years ago, five years ago, I was like, okay, I'm, I'm a Christian. Like, and I'm back into this thing and I feel like I'm on fire for it. And I want to go be like, the guy out front, you know, I want to be the guy at the front of the, you know, I'd be the guy on stage. And I felt like, (laughs) I felt like the more that I engaged with that, the less I actually knew God and where I felt like God was like, no, if you want to, like, this isn't about being the guy out front. Like, actually, I think for a lot of young people who are new Christians, it's actually about like, he pulls you back from that. I mean, we, we talked about first Timothy at breakfast today where it's, you know, it's for the elders. Don't let somebody who's younger because they could be an elder because they could grow in pride or whatever. I, th- I'm, I'm thinking about this and it's like, um, and we talked a lot about the David in the, in the wilderness, in the cave and Jesus goes to the wilderness and there's a lot of wilderness stuff in the Bible. And it feels like in the beginning of, of people's faith in the beginning of their walk with Christ, there's always, this time where Jesus or where God just pulls them away from everything and kind of just sets them in, in the cave or whatever, sets them in the wilderness. It's like, you're not going to be the guy out front. You're going to be the guy alone here. And, um, and so we talked about David and his, in Psalm, oh gosh, 92. Psalm 27, Psalm 63 is another and 63. Um, and just his like, He's contending with himself to find a satisfaction in Christ that he's and he's in the and he's in the cave. And you were saying like he's in the cave. Saul's trying to kill him. He's been anointed. He's supposed to be the king and nothing is working out the way that he thinks it's supposed to work. And he's saying, God, I want your hand, his hand to like fix everything. But I need to seek your face. And that's yeah. Yeah. like I think that's so important for young people. I think that's so important for new Christians that like. We, I think we get the zeal and the, and the passion and we want God's hand and we don't want him to change everything right now. And yet I think we miss the fact that God doesn't, he's like, no, I want you to seek my face. I want you to be in the wilderness. And you've talked about that a lot. So I don't, do you want to break that down a little bit more? Uh, yeah, even? I, love, I, I would yeah. love to. So God, God loves our desire to be great. Yeah. He, he, he. He fuels it. He yeah. he gives Joseph these visions and Moses a vision and yeah. David a vision yeah. and early successes and and he 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 wants he he doesn't discourage us from wanting to be great, mm-hmm. but then he redefines what greatness is. Yeah, right. <laughs> and, and and he says to James and John, "You guys want the you know the spot on my right and left." And yeah. he says, "Listen, this is opposite of the world." That that the world wants everybody to serve them. They want to be the center of attention. And this is actually to be great in heaven's eyes is actually to to be a servant. And and the Mm. the most you can do is do your assignment. And um and so I I want to I want to work on you. Our goal is, you know, we're gonna do this or we're gonna do this or we're gonna become this. God's goal is us. God's goal is the relationship. Mm. 
When, when he comes and he says, I'm going to take you out of Egypt and I'm going to take you into the promised land. Yeah. And so we want to get to the promised land and God knows that. And so he'll, 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 he'll give us where mm. we're heading. And oftentimes mm. he doesn't tell us about the wilderness that's going to come in between. Yeah. The wilderness is where he builds the tabernacle. Yeah. The wilderness is where he builds relationship. The wilderness is, is Joseph in prison, Joseph in Potiphar's house. And it keeps saying bad things happen. And then I would say this, God was with him. God was with Joseph. God was with Joseph. It's David in the cave where everything's going wrong. Saul's yeah. chasing him. He thought he was going to be the next mm -hmm. king. He, 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 he killed Goliath. Everything's yeah. going in the right direction. Then it all reverses. And God comes to him in that cave. Psalm 27, 8, you've already referenced this. And God says this to him, seek my face. David says, my heart has heard you say, seek my face. Mm -hmm. Seek who I am above what I can do for you. Yeah. Well. And David says as his response, your face, oh God, I will seek. This is the fuel of Psalm 27, 4. One thing I've desired. And that will I seek after. And it's not to be king. It's not to change the world. It's not to make a difference. <laughs> Here's the one thing I'm going to seek after. This is what I'm going to give my energy to, that I might dwell in the house of the Lord. The, the house of the Lord then was the tabernacle. It was the place of God's manifest mm -hmm. presence. He's saying this. I don't want to visit once in a while. I don't want to visit on Sunday and Wednesday night and every morning for my quiet time. Mm -hmm. I want to dwell there. Mm -hmm. I want to live in your presence. Mm -hmm. I want to live in that union. I want to behold the beauty of the Lord. I want, everybody can see what the devil's doing. Mm -hmm. You can find out what is wrong with this world. You don't need a gift. Yeah. Right. But who can see what God's doing? Who's got the eye salve to see the beauty of God that's all around us? Mm -hmm. The beauty of God in mm -hmm. the sunset, in the, mm -hmm. the tree, in the, in the people that we're with. You see their brokenness. Mm -hmm. Yep. Can you see what God put in there? Can you see what God's original intent was? Can you, to meditate on your word. Andy, if I could give one thing to young people, if I could just give them one thing, how do you get there? Build your life around sitting at Jesus' feet. I am not talking about an act of every morning I'm going to sit at his feet. No, I'm talking about a life. I'm going to live in union with him. I will sit at his feet literally every morning. <laughs> I will open that Bible up and I will ask God to show me who he is. Mm -hmm. I will invite the Holy Spirit. The, you can't get this yourself. Holy Spirit has to reveal. This isn't a science book. This isn't math. This has to come by revelation. Peter, flesh and blood did not reveal this to you. Your father in heaven revealed it to me. Mm -hmm. You you can't figure this out. I think about like when you're saying this, that one of the, the best, and it's a very simple metaphor, but one of the best ones I've heard is exactly what you're talking about. Like people, John Piper once said, people want to dip their toes in the water every morning and have a little bit of God and a little bit of this. And he was like, you just want to dip your toes in or maybe put your feet in. And then you get back out and you go do work and you go do the rest of your stuff all day. And he's like, no, you should, you should dive in and swim in the, in the presence of God. Like that's, yeah. that's what it should be. That should yeah. be your life. And I, I've always felt like that's, I've always felt convicted by that. Cause I'm like, yeah, how much of my life am I just dipping it in here? Just getting a little bit here and using it almost as a fix to, to kind of make things feel better or something like that, or to feel uh, moral and to feel like I'm doing the right thing compared to like, totally going all in and and swimming in it or 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 being at the feet of of Christ that's like a whole different mindset it's a whole different attitude and and i just i don't want anybody to become discouraged because god knows our weakness so this would be the other thing i would say to one thing yeah choose the one thing you can choose it mm -hmm. before you're living it Mm -hmm. You can just say, Jesus, that's what I want. Yeah. I want the one thing that's necessary. Yeah. I want to sit at your feet. I want to develop a heart that beholds mm -hmm. you. I want to live in your presence. Mm -hmm. Choose the one thing and then, and then he'll bring you back to it. Right. And, 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 and persevere with it. He, yeah. He right. knows you right. and he loves you. He and loves content, you as is. Yeah. I think it's the, it's the contending too. You know, I, I think of that Psalm 63, I, maybe is that 63 or two? I can 
Yeah, sixty-two and sixty-three yeah. are both the whole book. wilderness songs, and <laughs> yeah. they're all about God, you alone, and, and I, I hunger for you, I thirst right. for you, and yeah. and I've I've encountered right. you in the sanctuary. Yeah. you are the river of delight. Yeah. You are the feast that I need. Right. Da 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 da. And yeah. David's like uh, trying to convince himself that he's satisfied in Christ. That he like he's he's. Uh, you know, your love is better than love. Yeah, your, your love is better I, than life. I am He's satisfied to with himself. you. Yeah, and that's a like, and I've been, you know, I think that that's a really, it it might not come in a day. You might not just feel like, oh, I listen to this podcast. I'm going to go try to try to be intimate with God, and I and just expect that it's going to happen overnight. You know, like you might have to contend. You might have to. You might have to persevere through it and to and and believe the way that David is persevering and contending with himself. He's like. I don't feel this, but I believe it. I believe that I'm satisfied in you and I'm going to, I'm going to just believe it. And, and you can have joy in it right now. Yeah. If for you're sure, willing to sure. see God's joy in you. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Honestly, we'll just watch a parent with their toddler. Yeah. Is that parent waiting to have joy as soon as they grow up and can make their own bed and do responsibilities around this house, then I will enjoy them. No, they're no. insanely in love with them right now, even though they're pooping their diapers yeah. and they're causing more trouble yeah. than anything. They're like, can you believe this kid? Yeah. Every little thing they draw yeah. goes up on the refrigerator. Why? Because that's, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's my true. kid. That yeah. is my kid. Yeah. That is the heart of the father toward right. us. He is for us guys. He is, he wants this for us more than we want it. Yeah. And all we need to do is open the door. He's knocking. Mm-hmm. There's more. Here, here, here's what one of our speakers recently said, and I love this. And I'm going to have to pray because I've got to go. But yeah, I, no I, but but I want to leave you with this. He said this. There's not more than Jesus, mm-hmm. but there's more in Jesus. Mm. Yeah, you're not going to find more than Jesus. You're not going to go out there to find some truth or something that's going to make you happy. That's not Mm -hmm. Jesus. I mean, go out there if you want to, but you'll, you'll, you'll end up with the prodigal as the prodigal son eating pig's food. And it's like, you will remember, Oh, things were better when I was back with God. Yeah. Right. right. Um, you can save yourself a lot of time. There's not more than Jesus, Yeah, but there is more in Jesus. Mm -hmm. And if, if there's anything that I hope this podcast did, was create maybe a little hunger for more. Yeah. A hunger for more intimacy, more yeah. of his voice, more of his presence, more of that which only God can do. Yeah. And so can no, I pray? Yeah, can I pray let, let's our... pray real quick. I just want to make sure to tell people like this is the first podcast that's coming out in 2024. And I think I was thinking about this like when I texted you. Okay, I, like let's set people up for 2024. Yeah. So when you're Come praying, on. I don't know, when you're praying just Pray for 2024, like that people yeah. will take this yeah. into the, to the new yeah. year, you know? So, Lord, I just love that you give us years where we get to start over. And really, that's what Christianity is. Freedom to start over with no mistakes. Your blood washes us clean, forgives us as everything. We can start humble and say, Jesus, I want to open my door. Help me to do that. Lord, you said that if, if we would take your yoke upon you, that you are humble and meek of heart and that you would transform our hearts to be humble and meek so that we could walk with you in union with you. And then our yoke would be easy and our burden would be light because it's not, we're not the hero in our story. You are the hero. And We don't have to try to make ourselves look good or try to be successful. We can, we can count our success walking with you. And so father, I, I just, I just pray off any condemnation, any shame over any of the failure in this area. And I pray that you would open up hearts to see your joyful heart, your loving heart for weak, broken people. And God, this burning passion you have for intimacy that took you to the cross, that, uh, that, is, that is absolutely committed to us. Help us be as committed to you and awaken our affections for this, I pray in Jesus' name.
Amen. Amen. All right. Well, thanks for doing this, Tom. <laughs> this was great. Um, for those of you that are listening, like, uh, make sure that you like, subscribe, share this with your friends, leave us a five-star rating, and we'll see you for the next year. Hopefully, we'll st- still be making good podcasts by the end of the year. Goodbye. <laughs>